Hey, dear listeners, Brother Ed here. Uh, before I get the show started, uh, two things. One, again, I apologize for the delays. I'm working on it, I promise. Hand to heart. <laughs> two, I've got a new opening, something a little less trademark infringing, trademark infringing, hopefully less trademark infringing. And I, I've t- been told just in general that podcast openings should be short and sweet and to the point. So I'm trying something new. Let me know what you think. Send me an email to head at headspeaks.com. Oh, that's a third thing. Right now, my headcastnetwork.com website's down in case you haven't noticed. So any emails, we need to go to head at headspeaks.com. And I'm working on trying to get a site back up. But enough about that. Let's start the show. Welcome to the newest episode of Head Speaks, your home of all things geeky. I am your host, Aaron Brotherhead Moss. Let the show begin. Hey, dear listeners, Brother Ed here. So that was my my new opening. Let me know what you think. I'd like to hear all feedback. But let's go and get started with today's show. The first thing up, we bring you... Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is Watson Head Longbox. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. The world's greatest super friends. <laughs> yes, I realize the irony that I said that I recorded a new opening to help avoid. Uh, trademark issues and problems like that. And then I have my bumpers, which are full of other theme songs and whatnot. But hopefully it's it's enough, uh, short enough, each clip wherever I play, it, it gets through on technicality. Anyways, enough about that. Let's go ahead and talk about the issue we're here to talk about. Yes, and I know it's been a while, so in case you've forgotten, we are talking about the Power of the Atom. Uh, this is issue 13 of Power of the Atom. The cover date was June of 1989. The on-sale date, April the 25th, 1989. The cover price was $1. The title of this was called Rattling the Cages. The writer was William Messner Lobes. Penciler, Graham Nolan. Inker, Keith Stan Wilson. Letter, Albert Tobias de Guzman. Colorist, Nancy Houlihan. The cover was done by Graham Nolan and Keith Stan Wilson. And the editor on this bad boy was Mike Carlin. So as usual... I will start talking about the cover on this bad boy. The cover, we've got a small picture of the Atom, and he's writing a blood cell. The rest of the cover is pink with white. I mean, it's surprint. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but white drawings of blood cells and other things within the bloodstream. At the bottom, it says braving the bloodstream. I'm assuming they did it pink because, uh, well, because the blood, if I understand it, from my, my memory of school, which has been a while, the, the blood inside your body's blue until it gets oxygenated through the lungs and then it turns red. But they wouldn't want to have red on the cover. One, it might overshadow his boots. 
and also the whole pesky uh, Comics Code Authority may not may not approve of having red blood on the cover. And if it was a blue, uh, that would clash with his costume. Not clash, but blend in with his costume. Make it harder to see him. So I do like the way the cover looks. Even though I say pink's not really, I don't think would would be in the bloodstream. But maybe, I mean, because he's now in microscopic size riding a blood clump. So, huh, it's interesting. Yeah, I like the cover. It's a really nice cover. It's very, I say it very much, and I'll mention this probably throughout the episode, but th- this entire episode or ep- issue is very reminiscent of the movie Fantastic Voyage. We on a mission. Sorry, wrong Fantastic Voyage. That's Coolio. Different different Fantastic Voyage. But anyway, they also did it in the movie Inner Space, which is a great movie. But anyways, we're not talking about movies. We're talking about Power of the Atom, which should have a movie. Anyways, so let's start the story itself. So the story starts out, the first couple of pages starts out with Gene uh, talking to Norm, complaining basically about how ever since Paul's helped take out Edge on TV, he's been, you know, going around, you know, the... Cock of, the, cock of the walk and all that and basically wanting to be a superhero he's doing karate lessons swagging around letting the caseloads go to hell as she says and i guess he was mumbling in his sleep last night according to gene there's not enough room in this town for both of us joker <laughs> so again that that little bit of power he got has kind of gone to his head and is making him want to be go the superhero route which as Gina said numerous times, that's what's caused her and Ray to break up. Uh, it wasn't the fact that she's a cheat. I mean, sorry. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> sometimes my personal uh, preferences, or not necessarily preferences, but my personal prejudices come into play. But but yeah, so anyways, uh, she's kind of complaining about what's going on with Paul to Norm. And then we cut over, speaking of Paul and Ray, we cut over to Paul and Ray fencing and Ray showing a Paul a few tricks here and there, I guess. And Paul's like, you know, you can, you know, give it to me. You know, don't hold back. I can take what you're doing. And he's like, no, you know what? I grew up. I didn't grow up, but I, uh, I spent some time in the jungle. I became more of a warrior, and I'm trying to keep that in hold. As we've encountered in several past issues, and I've talked about, Ray's not the same Ray that he's always been. He he has a harder edge now. He lived with Liawatha and her people. So uh, he's got a bit harder edge to him now and he has to watch it. So because again, he's in civilization now, so he he can't, you know, pull a sword out and take down the bad guy. He's got to, you know, do it in quotes like a hero, I guess. That's not quite the phrase I'm looking for, but close enough. And I do like here on the bottom of page three, uh, we get a flashback to Ray fighting out in the jungles and Paul keeps telling, well, no, you're, you know, you're, you're still a scientist. You're not some, you know, savage. You're, you know, you're a, still a decent human being. And he's like, I'm going to prove it. So he starts, you know, attacking Ray with his, his fence. And as he's talking, he's like, you know, I'm going to prove that, you know, no matter how hard you're pressed, you're not going to turn into some bloody barbarian. And as they get, you know, he's just whacking at him harder. And I, I love the, the, between the dialogue and the images on this pan- page, a couple pages actually, of Paul attacking Ray and just just forcing Ray to fight back, and as they're as they're fencing, uh, Paul's like, you know, 
Uh, well, you're no grim, gritty Avenger with the sword, Ray. If you were, you would have saved your little people. Or at least saved your girl, what's her name? And Ray's like, Leowatha? And at that point, Ray just loses his crap and just starts attacking even worse. And I like here on bottom of page five, Paul's got his sword up, his fence up, and Ray strikes out here, ching, and Paul's like, whoa, whoa. And it, apparently Ray's tip came off as his foil. Uh, I'm not sure I'm using the right words on this, and I may have misused words before, but... And I love the art on this this panel here. On, I'm sorry, this panel, this page six, where Ray starts slashing and hacking at him. And here on the left-hand side of the page, we get a close-up of Ray's face, and he's got this maniacal look, almost looks like the Joker, almost, with the way his eyes are. He's got a crazy look in his eyes, and he's got sweat beating down his head, and he's just got a Joker-type grin on his face as he just starts swiping and, and tearing into Paul and Paul's room he can to, you know, block Ray's foil or whatever you want to call it. Which shows that, that Ray, as Ray said, he's, you know, he's he lived for a while with warriors and he, he got kind of that mindset himself. So as I've talked about previously, yeah, Ray isn't who he used to be. He, he has changed a bit. And like <laughs> he finally gets, you know, Paul loses his 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 uh, foil and Ray has his up next to Ray's neck. And Ray, I'm sorry, Ray has his foil up next to Paul's neck. And Paul's like, uh, your match, Ray. And I like here on the bottom of page six where he, Ray's got his is his sword up to Ray's. Uh, I'm sorry, Paul's neck. And Ray's face is just in shadows, just showing the the in quotes darkness that's descended over him. Uh, I think between the writer and the artist, they did a fantastic job on this this page here alone, showing the changes, in quotes, that Ray's gone through from who he used to be. And here on the next page, you know, he's talking it out and he's like, God, I almost killed you, Paul, for a second. There, I totally lost control. Paul's like, no, I don't think so. If you're totally out of control, I'd be just dead. Besides, I did provoke you. And uh, so, again, and I, I kind of like this change, this, this, uh, yeah, I guess this change in the relationship between Paul and Ray, where just an issue or two ago they were trying to kill each other. Now they're, you know, buddy buddy and hanging out, fencing. Though I do like that, you know, Paul's trying to convince Ray that, you know, no, you're completely normal. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that bad. You're able to hold back. And then he's thinking to himself, of course, you didn't see a look in your eye. <laughs> so uh, Paul did notice that, you know, Ray did have that that look in his eye that said he wasn't going to take that crap. And again, kind of that maniacal look I mentioned here on page six, just he's about ready to kill somebody. And then we got to a subplot of Ray and his publisher, with his publisher trying to guilt him or trying to convince him into going to a book signing that he doesn't really want to go to. Uh, not book signing so much, but a party, I guess it is, uh, that, he doesn't want, that he doesn't want to go to. But she's like, you know, tell him that there's a, Another author that he doesn't like is going to be there. Uh, 2D Googlity? Googlity? Golightly? Golightly, I guess. I'm putting too much word, too much emphasis in that. 2D Golightly. Uh, <laughs> but again, that's just a little... So, but again, nice art here. We got a close-up of Norman's face and just kind of in shadows, like, you know, because he really hates this guy. And he's going to have to go to this party, even though he doesn't want to, just because his, his in quotes, enemy is going to be there. And you can see the look on his publisher's face like, you know, she set it up to make sure Paul's going to be there. So, again, while she's a bit of a, a biznatch, uh, it was a nice play on her part, I guess. <laughs> and then we get back to Ray and Nor uh, 
Ray and Paul again talking, you know, back and forth. Paul trying to find out the, the ins and outs of the superhero life and what's it like to be a superhero. And Ray says that legal battles usually better because they're they're quieter and more final. <laughs> Paul's like, there speaks a man who's never filed an appeal. Because <laughs> again, anyone that, that's done anything in the legal field knows that it's not always final. You, you know, people have appeals they can uh, go through and. Uh, again, sometimes I think they have too many appeal rights because it could take forever to get a, in quotes, final resolution, especially for a criminal. But it is part of our system and it's there, again, to help prevent innocent people from suffering as much as possible. So whether there's too many appeals or not, I mean, it's there for a reason. So, But that's not illegal. We're not talking legal right now. We're talking the Adam, which is a lawyer so at one time. So anyways... Uh, <laughs> and then we get basically Gene getting a hold of Paul to get hold of Ray because I guess it, this gets to the meat of the story where apparently the hospital needs Ray and his special expertise, if you will. And we get to the hospital where there's this lady who's, who's a victim of Edge who's apparently got some uh, internal bleeding in her head near, near the brainstem, it looks like. And they're able to operate on it and they want to know if Ray can go in and do it. So again, <laughs> and again, I love when Ray changes to his costume and again, he's he's standing there, and one second he's Ray Palmer, next minute he's the Atom. And again, the doctor's like, well, that's remarkable. Your costume appeared from nowhere. He's like, kind of. I have the ability to transfer various amounts of my mass and weight, including my costume, into a kind of status zone. It's how I shrink. And again, so a lot of times they talk about in other issues, uh, whenever they're dealing with a, a person that can grow or uh, shrink like Ray can, they kind of some sometimes they can have a reason or how it happens, and sometimes they oh, just don't think too about it, don't think too hard about it because you know it doesn't make sense. But I like it when they have the the pseudo rational or pseudo science ways of explaining how it happens. It's like they they give a little work and a little bit of thought to make it happen. So, and then here we go again on top of page twelve, we get Ray. Uh, AKA the Adam shrinking down onto the slide. Again, I love when they show him, you know, he's jumping in the air and miniaturizing. And I love when they, they show him going from one size to another and showing the, the shrinking effect, if you will, or the growing effect when he's going back to his regular size. And apparently he's, they've got a suture for him. That's, you know, barely smaller than the size of a human hair and raise, you know, comment, oh, even this size, I can barely see it. And so he wraps around himself and he shrinks down even further and jumps into a slide, which they're able to inject into the woman. And again, here at bottom page 12, we get Ray holding onto a blood vessel going, ah, as he's flying through the, or sailing through the, uh, the bloodstream. <laughs> and uh, again, Paul's, you know, kind of bringing up the, the legalities of, you know, the Ray performing these type of, in quotes, operations. And the doctor's like, oh, yes, he was given the official sanction to perform these procedures years ago. Early on in his career as the Adam. His services here are just too valuable to waste. So, yeah, I do like that they, they do bring up, especially if you're a new reader of the Adam with this series, they bring up the fact of how, you know, he's able to legally do this. He was given special sanctions and, and special status to be able to do these type of operations. Uh and again, as page 13, as he's flowing along the, I say flying, but, you know, riding along in the, the bloodstream, he rubs his hand along one of her uh, clap, capillary walls. And she, he knows a bunch of cholesterol. He's like, this stuff is waxy. It's cholesterol on the wall of her arteries. Too many French fries somewhere along the line. I hate from being in my body. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, so again, it's, it's really cool, in my opinion, seeing the Ray, the Ray, sorry, wrong character, uh, seeing Ray, the Adam, inside the bloodstream, inside the human body, and, and seeing him ride these, these, uh, the blood vessels, and we see him sewing up one of the, uh, the vessels, and as soon as he does it, he looks over and he sees there's a whole bunch more that's just leaking blood all over into her head, which is causing her to, you know, to die if they don't get it fixed. And again, there's a ni- nice image here on page 15, the bottom of page 15. Uh, we got Ray's looking at the blood vessel, sewing it up, and he's like, yeah, not too bad of a job. Then he gets looking and he sees a whole bunch more. We see at least two that we can see bleeding with blood going down, you know, escaping out of the vessels into the body itself. And as we cut outside the body, we have Paul and the doctor leave and saying the, uh, another, oh, there's an uh, orderly or someone standing behind him. And they're commenting how, you know, it's been a while since Ray's been in there and they're giving him some more glucose and apparently their signs are stable. And he's just like, well, you may have more to repair than we counted on, which again, we find out just the page before this, and that's what's going on. There's a lot more blood vessels than he realized. So he takes Ray out to, I'm sorry, she takes Paul out to buy him a cup of coffee and tells the orderly that I mentioned earlier, you know, let him, there's a change. And as she walks out, she, he's like, you bet, doc, ka-chow. Which kind of tells us this is Strobe, a.k.a. a.k.a. Edge. And he leans in close to the woman saying, you know, that the doc says he's in a, she's in a coma. But he doesn't buy that because he's Strobe and nobody gets away from Strobe. So again, he's referring to himself in third person, which is definitely the sign of a crazy person. So uh, he's about ready to kill her off just again to make sure his record's clear. Of, you know, as far as he's concerned, no one lives when he gets done with him. And I like as he's talking to her, he's like, it's like this, babe. I've been using that EP, EPG stuff I took from you to become Edge, but I ain't a major villain. Ain't a major supervillain yet. But I can't figure out how half that junk works. And you're gonna convince me that you were just pulling my chain. Otherwise, you're gonna get a lot hurt. Gonna get hurt a lot worse than you already are. And Ray, he's back to full size, not full size, but he's back to a little more the microscopic, standing on her lip, watching Edge talk to the gal. And he can't quite make out what he's saying. I'm assuming it's just because the size Ray's at and the voice of a normal person is too loud for maybe his ears to pick up properly. Maybe it's just too loud and booming for him. Or maybe it's the fact that uh, Edge is supposed to be kind of, maybe he's not talking out loud, maybe he's kind of whispering it, talking low so Ray can't hear. I'm not quite sure why Ray can't make out what he's saying. Uh, and again, he's commenting how you know he ain't humiliated and killed Adam yet. And that's what happens next time he sees him. And he's like, ka-chow, ka-chow, with his finger gun thing. He's one of those stupid guys that makes the finger gun. They go, ka-chow. And Ray sees it like, ka-chow. And it clicks. He's like, I know who this fool is. And all of a sudden, he jumps full size and lands right in front of the edge. And he's like, ka-chow, you're that idiot strobe, aren't you? What's the matter with you, dummy? You coming at me like you want to kill me. Do you have a death wish or what? And he's like, you won't kill me. You're a superhero. Superheroes don't kill nobody. Wrong, mush brains. Superman and Batman don't kill because they're civilized men. I'm not. I've killed better men, better men than you just because they threatened me once. And I'm ten times madder at you than I was at them. And again, he pets his finger to the guy, to uh, Edge's head and goes, you're dead. You, you can't. You don't think so? I can hit you with the mass of a dwarf star and rip your arm off your shoulder. Or I can shrink to a bullet size and drill between your eyes, then expand and blow your head to damp fragments. 
And Ray's like, ka-chow. And Edge is like, uh, uh, and he passes out on page 18. It makes me crack up every time I read it. And again, as I've talked about before, Ray used to be your average superhero. And as we talked about previously, earlier this issue, he's changed. He, he's, he's lived out in the the forest and the jungles, and he, he became a bit of a harder individual, if you will. So like I said, I mean, it, yes, he's still a superhero, and yes, he, does, he doesn't like to kill if he can help it, but he does have that edge that, again, as he was telling Paul earlier, that, you know, if he doesn't watch it, he could, if he's not paying attention, not careful, he, he could kill somebody just because of what he's been through over the years. And so I do like that, you know, Ray, you know, again, Ray's been worrying about that, but he's using it to his advantage with Edge, you know, he keeps coming at him. And I like I said, I think Edge passes out. About this time, uh, Paul comes running back in. He's like, Adam, what happened? Ray's like, I guess I don't have my own strength. <laughs> As Edge is laying there on the floor unconscious. <laughs> and then we get back to the subplot with Norman at the party and he confronts this other writer, Tootie Patootie or whatever his name is. And this entire, I'm just mentioned, it's not a big part of the story, but it is part of the subplot that uh, Norman's talking to Paul and he's kind of fuming and talking about how, you know, he's upset with this other writer and how the guy still stole some work from him. And the guy's very, this Tootie guy is very uppity and he's always talking down to Paul, making Paul feel like crap. No matter what Paul does, he, he doesn't feel like he's good enough to this guy. And so he's working himself up. And about this time, the guy, Tootie, walks up to him. He's like, Norman, my dear boy, it's good to see you. And like, Tootie, stuff this in your yacht basin, go lightly, and just knocks him out here on the bottom of page 20. Just one punch and knocks him to the ground. I love that. And they start you know, arguing, uh, fastest hack. And Paul kind of tries to pull apart. And I think it's go lightly swings and hits Paul who knocks him to somebody else who causes him to spill uh, his drink on a, a woman there. And basically they start fighting and it's basically just like uh, one of these comedy things where, you know, a barroom brawl and Ray's standing there watching with Gene and he's like, my God, it's a riot. I've got to. And Gene's like, Ray, wait, this is what happens all through our, our marriage, happened to our marriage. We have a really nice talk. Is this really your fight? And here at the bottom of page 21, again, Ray goes from his street clothes into a superhero costume in the blink of an eye. And I like the change they've made where he can do it at full size now instead of having to shrink down to get into his costume. Uh, and again, Ray kind of learns a little bit in this issue, especially here at the end, that it's not always his fight. And sometimes, like I said, there, there's no one really in danger. Someone's going to have a black eye or some bruises or embarrassed tomorrow, but... There's no supervillain. It's not something he needs to rush off and fight. I thought you see, like, these are all adults. And it meant they realize how stupid they look and stop. You don't have to do anything. I know it's selfish and unworthy, but just once in my life, I like to feel that talking to me was more important to you than a fight between strangers. So Ray changes back and says, you're right, I'm off duty. So how was your day? And I like the end of here as they're sitting there clinking their, their champagne glasses or whatever, you know. And meanwhile, in the back, there's this big brawl. And uh, I, I I don't... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't care for Jean, again, as we've talked about before, because, again, she cheated on Ray. If you're not happy in a marriage, leave. Don't 
don't cheat on your spouse. That's just a personal button to me. But and, and I know Ray, he's he's him and Jeans, you know, they're talking it out and they're they're again in quotes friends again. But and yes, in this instance she is correct. Ray probably doesn't need to do anything, but I don't, does he? I mean, what if it gets out of hand and someone pulls a gun or it gets, you know, even worse out of control? So, I mean, and yes, Jean is being selfish. And again, maybe just my I, my personal dislike for Jean because what she did to Ray. But in, well, in this instance, yes, Ray, uh, the, the, the Adam's not needed, but that's not always the case. And I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how to put into words what I'm trying to say here. I, I don't. Like her selfishness, I guess. Because while again, right now, yes, Ray or the Adam's not needed per se, but sometimes he is, and that and that's what she signed up for when she married him. So I mean, just saying that well, you're a superhero and you're you taking all you know, you always kept running away from us to to fight and save people. I I just it just annoys me. I, I don't know what else to say. I just. I don't know. Hey, we're going to end here. It says next issue, the return of Roger Stern and Humbug. You know, like here we have uh, the Adam writing, you know, the return of Roger Stern on the bottom of the page. It's a nice little uh, thing there for the next issue blurb. Uh, but again, that was Power of the Atom number 13. So what do you guys think? Did you guys like this issue? Uh, did you guys read it? Did you guys read it when it first came out? Talk to me. Let me know what you guys think. I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, right now, my headcastnetwork.com and stuff is down. Uh, you can always write to me at head at headspeaks.com, and I'll get those. So again, send me an email, head at headspeaks.com, or go to the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash headcastnetwork. Send me a message and let me know what you think of Power of the Atom 13. Uh, and that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, next month, I'll be back with episode 14, and or with issue 14, and I don't know what else I'll get on there. Maybe I'm going to try to get a maybe talk with uh, Paul Kupperberg because he's got some stuff. because He's got a Kickstarter coming out. I may talk with try to talk with him in the next couple weeks and, and post that also. So we'll see. But let me know what you think. Again, head at headspeaks.com. The Facebook group is facebook.com slash headcast network. And I have a YouTube, which I don't do very much of. I do more on my my G.I. Joe group. My YouTube channel for my G.I. Joe stuff is youtube.com slash at g.i.joe underscore headcast. Definitely check that out. I'm doing things, a little more things. I do. I record my Bravo teams and my regular show on there when I do those uh, before I release them as podcast episodes. And then I've been starting to do the third Friday of the month. I think I'm going to start doing some like unboxing and reviews of things. So definitely... Uh, check that out. But that's going to do it for this episode of Head Speaks. Join us next month. Uh, and until then, remember, Head has spoken. Thank you for listening to another fantastic episode of Head Speaks. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, let me know. Drop me an email to head at headspeaks.com or visit our home at head.headspeaks.com. You can also visit and talk with me on Facebook and Google Plus, both under Head Speaks. 
you can also send an mp3 file with your thoughts and i can play that on the air and you can also get more of me on my other podcasts be sure to listen to task force x where monthly i look at john ostinger's suicide squad and paul kuppenberg's checkmate comics from the 80s and early 90s also over on gi joe a real american headcast my co- podcasting friends, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, along with myself, are looking at all of the G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero comics, and related titles from Marvel and IDW. All of my headcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher, along with the respective blogs and my main page at headspeaks.com. All, all comments, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Headspeaks are owned wholly by the speaker of said comments. And do not express the opinions of Headspeaks. Unless, of course, I'm the one making the comments. Headspeaks, Task Force X, and G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, are all part of the headcast family. So, join us next month for another wonderful episode of Headspeaks. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages. Good night. Good night.